Good morning, everyone. Are we good? Can you hear me? Excellent. It's great to be at Cross Point Community Church. Um, I'm reminded of the story of the guy who was a uh, missionary taking the gospel to a tribe that had never heard it before. And uh, he was making his way with a machete through the jungle, and, and uh, he came to a clearing, and he made a very novice missionary mistake. And the novice missionary mistake that he made was that he walked into the clearing. Friends, the reason that's a missionary novice missionary mistake is because when you're in the jungles, if you walk into the clearing, you can be seen by all sorts of creatures like lions, tigers, Stay with me, stay with me. Bears, that's right, all kinds of things. And sure enough, you've seen this on Discovery Channel, I think. Uh, we have kids, so we watch Discovery Channel. And uh, you know those lions, they'll just kind of crouch down, and that's what they just kind of wait, and then they pounce on you. Um, he was walking, he kind of had this sense of feeling like somebody's watching me, but there's nobody out here, who could it be? And he turned around just in time to see this great big lion in midair coming right at him. So being a great man of faith and a great man of the Word, and a great man of God. He did what I think every man of God would do if a lion was coming toward you. He ran for all he was worth. And uh, while he was running like crazy, he was thinking back to all of his training, four years of college, three years of cemetery, seminary. And, um, and he started thinking, um, you, know, what, what, you know, what am I going to do? Where's my training? Where's Lions 101? You know? uh, how come, how come uh, they didn't prepare me for this? And he realized there's no way he's going to outrun this lion. There's just no way he's going to be able to do it. And he he had this moment of thought, uh, okay, so what do I do? And he just thought, well, I saw Bugs Bunny do this in a cartoon one time, so he just laid down and he played dead. He didn't know what else to do. He just laid down and played dead. And this lion, you know, came upon him, and pretty soon he felt that old wet nose of that lion just sizing his body up, just, just checking him out. And it's, that's when his theological training kicked in. The missionary prayed this prayer. Dear Lord, please let this lion be a Christian lion. Hey, shut up, okay? It's hard to pray under pressure. And uh, he says, Lord, please let this lion be a Christian lion. And just about that time, he heard the lion pray, Heavenly Father, thank you for this food I'm about to receive. (laughs) It all depends on your perspective, whether you're the missionary or the lion. And that's really what I want to talk with you about today your perspective. Across this country, if we're lucky today, 15 to 17 percent of people will drag their weary bones out of bed and go to church somewhere, right? The question that I have for you is not about church per se, but how will we know if when we go to church and when we live all of life that we're encountering God himself as pictured in this book, versus just going through a bunch of religious motion. Sing a few songs, put some money in the offering plate, greet people we like at the church, and then go home, right? How will we know if that's just a bunch of religious motion that religious people go through versus the idea that hey, you know what? I'm encountering the God of this book. See, that's different because some of us don't have the discernment to know the difference between churchianity and Christianity, going through religious motion and really knowing God. 
And so today what I would like to do is I would like to look at a passage of Scripture out of the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Go ahead and start turning to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. And in Isaiah chapter 6, I want to look at what Isaiah says about his personal encounter with God. Isaiah gives us, in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, he gives us how, indica- indicators, four indicators of how we can know whether we're just playing church this morning or whether we really are encountering the God of the Bible. I think that's germane. I think that's important. I think that's apropos. And I want to read it for you out of Isaiah chapter 6. And remember, what we're going to do is we're going to try to see the difference between just being religious. Because, friends, Isaiah was a Jewish person. And Jewish people knew a lot about Yahweh God, the God that we proclaim to know. But Isaiah's going to show us the difference today between just going through religious motion and having a, a real encounter with God Almighty himself. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. We'll start here. In the year King Uzziah died. Okay, let's stop right there for a moment. <laughs> it's interesting. Isaiah's testimony starts off with this. I have to tell you guys something that happened to me in the year that King Uzziah died. Friends, I want to say something to you. When we have encounters with God, they tend to mark time. Some encounters are small, some encounters are big, but they're all very real. And I'm not talking about emotional things. I'm talking about encounters with the living God. Sometimes it's through his word, sometimes it's through his people, sometimes it's through uh, just a word from the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, and he just speaks it to us. But it marks time. I can look back at when I first received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was 15 years old. I was in, the, in my own bedroom, and, uh, and it was just an honest moment where I just talked to God and received him. It marks your life. Isaiah says, I got to tell you about God and how I encountered him. And it happened in the year that King Uzziah died. He said, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. This is so fascinating, friends, because you know what you're going to see as I unpack this? The first indicator is this. The first indicator that you and I are not just going through religious motion this morning, but we're encountering God Almighty himself, friends, is we will go, wow. You will say, I have to tell you something. I got a glimpse of the God of the Bible today, and I never saw that before in my life. And you will go, Wow, I want you to lift your hands up, point to the heavens, and I want you to say, wow. Ready? Wow. Say it louder. Wow. Nice. Say it backwards. <laughs> Stay with me, people. Stay with me. Wow. Wow. One of the first things that will happen in your life, you will go, wow. And I don't mean just emotional, but it's powerful and it's real. Watch this. He says, I saw the Lord, and he was seated on a throne. Man, I've been saved 35 years now. That just told you I was 50, didn't it? And um, here I am in the faith, and I loved it in the church that, uh, that I first became associated with. There's, there's still our, one of our sending churches uh, where I became the youth pastor a number of years later. Um, the old-timers in that church, all who are passed away now, the old-timers in that church when I was a young kid, they used to tell me, like when things were all frazzled in life and things are going out of control and we get worried, we're in a weird time right now. 
This is kind of a revolutionary time, not just in the church world, but economically, uh, in terms of education, and all the different things that we used to believe. All these things were so set, and all of a sudden, we're raising kids now in things that the, the, the conventional wisdom isn't so conventional anymore. Everything's up for grabs. And you can get this real unsteady sense of uh, emotion in your life if you don't understand something. While we're worried about a lot of stuff in this culture, and while we're really concerned, and there is a lot of stuff up for grabs, I got news for you. I have a message from God for you today. I need you to hear this, friends, because it's a crazy world out there. God is still on the throne. And when Isaiah sees him, and this is what the old timers taught me, he's still on the throne, Bill. Don't worry about it. He's sovereign. He's in control. He's not pacing the floor of heaven this this morning. Oh, my goodness, I created the world, and what a mess it is. He's not doing it, friends. When you see God, you see God seated on a throne. Who sits on thrones? Kings sit on thrones. And this isn't some mealy-mouthed king of England or something, in all due respect to our allies. This is the king of of kings. Isaiah says, you got to understand something. When I saw God, when I saw the Lord, he was seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. This is fascinating because I bet you have weddings in this building right here, in this church, and what would happen is my guess, the typical kind of wedding is you got all these guys right here, and you have, you have this aisleway here, and then somebody will play the wedding march, Dun, 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 dun. I think about this a lot because I have six daughters. All right? And then, this, then what will happen is a woman will come down the aisle. The dad will be bringing her. And, and she's wearing this beautiful white dress, right? Anybody going to a wedding this summer? Yeah, this is, you know this is how it's going to play, right? So they come down the aisle. And I've noticed something about wedding dresses. Again, mostly because I have six daughters. Those things are getting very expensive. And um, I think about all the material. And you know, you've seen this, right? Because the bridesmaids are here. We're all waiting. Everybody stands. Here she comes. And she has this long flowing gown. That's called a train. God's train on his robe filled the temple. And that train will follow behind her as she walks forward. And then I figured out why we have bridesmaids. We have bridesmaids to reflect the beauty of the bride, but there's a very functional thing that has to happen in a wedding. You know this, right? Um, she's got all these flowers. All of a sudden, she puts the flowers, and everybody's, the, the maid of honor will hold the, you know, give the flowers. And then when, after, the, after we pronounce the man and wife, we got to get her back out of here, which is tough to do with those long dresses. So what the, the maid of honor grabs the train of the robe and pulls it back around, and they steer her out of here, right? Because that flowing gown has this long train. Now, why the long train on the rope? The thought here is the more, the more, the longer the train on the gown, the more majestic the bride. Friends, how long is the train on God's rope? It's so long that it filled the temple. Friends, I got to tell you something. There's nobody more majestic than our God. And all God's people said what? No, they said, that's what they said, which is the New Living Translation of Amen. Right? Say it with me again. Wow. Point to the heavens and go, God, you are wow. Ready? Wow, God, you are 
Well, that's not, that's just the beginning, friends. Look what it says. Above God were two seraphs. What in the world is a seraph? We know of two different classes of angels, seraphim and cherubim, uh, seraphim and cherubim. And it says, two above him were seraphs. Each had six wings. This is ridiculous. Six wings. How many of you have seen a picture of an angel depicted with six wings? Most time we see two wings, right? I watch angels in the outfield, two wings. And uh, now there's six wings, right? And I don't know if all angels, but I just know these angels have six wings. Why? Because the Bible says with two they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And around, they're flying around God. What are they saying? It says, in the next verse it says, as they were calling to one another, they said this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy. And then another one would pick it up. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And constantly in the presence of God, these angels are flying around and just saying over and over again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The the Hebrew word seraph literally means to burn. And it's such a neat thing that we've pulled out of this is this. You ever hear somebody say, he or, speaking of a person you know, he or she is on fire for the Lord? That's a really, that's a really biblical thought. Because it seems to indicate from Isaiah chapter 6, seraphs means to burn. And where are these seraphs? They're in the very presence of God Almighty. And because they're in the presence of God Almighty, guess what? They're passionate worshipers. They're passionate followers. They're passionate servants of God Almighty. It is what it means to be on fire for the Lord. If that wasn't enough, (laughs) first of all, can we all go one more time? What? Wow. Yeah, I mean, angels flying around the whole time. This is right. uh, Revelations refers to this as well. It's not the only place you see this. But the next verse says this, At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Wouldn't it be cool, sort of, right now, if everything began to quake, and then smoke filled this entire building? Wow. Yeah. Um, Just think about it for a moment. We'd all go out to dinner afterwards, and somebody would say to you, how was church today? You wouldn't go, oh, it was another day at church. No, you'd be like, oh my goodness, we were in the middle of this great big earthquake. Everything was shaking and you would be crazy, man. And smoke filled it, right? You know, when I think about that, I think about some of the concerts I've been to. It's just really loud. Everything's shaking. There's all of these, all the smoke all over the place. Friends, trust me, when you encounter God personally, watch this now. It's not emotional necessarily. I think one of the big mistakes we make, we think emotions are sometimes make things real. You can be, have an emotional encounter with God and it's very real, but you can also have a very non-emotional encounter with God and it still be very real. And how do you know if it's real? It changes you. You live differently because you say, oh my goodness, I got a glimpse of who God is. I know so many people, friends, listen, so many people who are trying to find themselves And you can't find yourself until you find the one who created you. And listen, this view of God is a wow view of God. And we live in a culture right now that only likes the love of God. Is God love? Yes, I've read the whole Bible. 1 John says God is love. Is God only love? No. He's pretty holy too. 
Look what it says. Holy, holy, holy. It's so interesting to me that the angels aren't saying, love, 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 God is love. I think one of the ways you and I can tell that we've encountered God is that we not only embrace the love of God, but we embrace the holiness of God. And His holiness demands justice. And His holiness demands us to repent from sin. Religion, on the other hand, oh my goodness, religion will let you sing songs all day, it'll let you give offerings, it'll let you do missions trips, it'll let you do all these good things without you ever encountering God. Friends, when's the last time in your life you went, wow? I'm not talking about a big emotional experience, although that could qualify if it changed you. I'm talking about those moments where you go, and maybe we're the only ones to do this. Lord, you know I have a huge financial need right now. I'm not going to beg anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to ask you to intervene in my life. And he does. And you say, wow. Or you're burdened for somebody because they're, they're not walking with Jesus or they don't know Jesus. And you just start praying for them. You just God, please, God, I want you to reach out to this person. And all of a sudden, that person calls you and asks you questions about God. Or you run into them, haven't seen them in years, and you run into them at the grocery store. Or maybe, maybe, you know, you say, wow, my marriage is in trouble. Or what, you know, pick your favorite problem. We all got them. And you say, God, if you don't intervene in my life, I am doomed in this area. And what's God do? He begins to move in that area. And you say, wow. Friends, God, by definition, is wow. You know what religion is by definition? Boring. Boring. I'm not saying wow means one big laugh festival. Ha, 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 ha. Right? But I am saying this. It's a ride of wow. When's the last time in your life you went wow? You know, another indication that we might not be encountering God is this. Listen. Because we miss the wow thing. Some of us are so overwhelmed right now with problems. And I, you know, I, Jesus is so practical. In John 16, Jesus says, In this world you shall have tribulation. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I really appreciate that. Right? But the rest of the verse says, Take courage, for I, Jesus says, have overcome the world. I got a word of, for you. If you're overwhelmed right now, this is for you. All you can see is the problem. You, you know what your problem is? Small little God, big old problem. I got a word for you. There's no problem in your life right now or in the future or in the past. There's no problem that you and God can't handle. I'm just telling you, there's a bunch of problems you can't handle. If you needed me to hear to say that, I'll say that. But you and God. Why? Because God, by definition, is wow. He's big. And when you see God for who he is, those problems become manageable. Not only will you go, do it with me, humor me. Not only will you go, wow, you'll also go, whoa. Go ahead and point to yourself and go, whoa. Look what it says in the next part of the passage. This is interesting. It's the, the, the flow of this is fascinating to me. 
Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Wait a minute. Isaiah just had this unbelievable encounter with God. And the first thing out of Isaiah's mouth is, once I see God for who he is, woe is me. I am ruined. And what's he say? I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the Lord, the King Almighty, he says. Interesting, isn't it? Now watch this. Some of you here, listen, some of you here feel like, you ever feel like this? I know there are. I know you're here. Every time I try to walk close to God, I get so discouraged. Well, why? Because I keep seeing sin in my life. And God keeps revealing things that I thought were gone or things that I thought I had victory over, but he just keeps revealing that I have sin in my life. Friends, you should be greatly encouraged because Isaiah sees God and the first thing that he gets convicted about is his own sin. Friends, when the Spirit of God reveals sin to you, He's not hurting you. He's helping you. And He wants you to grow. And it's one indication that you're not just being religious. Church, churchianity never talks about sin. It never talks about how sins kill in our relationships with each other and our relationship with God. But real encounters with God, the only logical thing to do, you, every time God shows up in this book and all these different stories, they hit the ground. These people are on the ground, man. They're like, whoa, he's there, right? And uh, he's, he says something. He has to pick them up in the book of Revelations because they're they just so blown away by him. You know why? Because they see God for who he is, at least what he's revealed to us, because I don't know if we could ever comprehend everything he is in this mortal body. Paul says we see through a glass darkly. So when we see, when we begin to get a glimpse of who he is, the natural, the best response is, oh my goodness, God wants me to deal with this sin. And it's interesting, isn't it? This is so interesting to me. Does he say, woe unto me, I am ruined because I committed adultery? That's a sin, but that's not it. Woe unto me, I'm a man of unclean lips because I stole a bunch of money? That's a sin. Dishonesty with money. Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips because I beat my wife? No, 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 no. That's not not what he says. He says, woe to me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. Friends, listen. I don't care what church I've had the honor of working with, and it's been many. And I love it. I love the local church. But I've watched Christians profess to know God, people who profess to know God, and watch this. There's no conviction about sin in their life. They don't go, whoa. We've got this kind of a fake culture today in this country, in our churches. How you doing? Praise the Lord. Always good. At least I wasn't good until I got here. But now I'm good. Why? Because I'm afraid to tell you who I really am. Friends, I got to tell you something. Got seven kids. We've been, every Sunday I'm somewhere. Can I tell you something? If there's one day in my week that's going to fall apart, it is Sunday before church. Now, where are all my family people out here? You know this, right? Every day will be fine except Sunday before church. Can I tell you, can I be real with you today? I mean, when our kids were little, we got this two-year-old now, but when our kids were little, it was my wife and I trying to take care of mostly her. I mean, that's that sad commentary on me. 
And she's getting all these kids, and I got all these girls, and so they got to wear all these white things and dre- frilly dresses and, you know, all this stuff, and their hair and all that stuff. And she would just work so hard at getting them. And by the time my wife got into the van, man, she was an unhappy person. <laughs> and, um, and so, and then the kids would make it worse, right? I mean, uh, you know, even when they were little, like my little, I had this little, little girl, uh, she was uh, just these nice little chunky legs, and we put these li- white things on her, you know what I'm saying? And one day, I remember we were on our way to a church, and my wife was already frazzled because, you know, the house is a mess, and we had to get everybody out, and we're running late. Would sound familiar? And, um, and so she looks down on her little, little uh, tights, these little white tights, and she begins, she sees a little thing, she pulls it in a great big run right down the tights. And then I got a son who just loves to torture the girls. And so, you know, he's like, Dad, he's touching me. He's touching me. That's what I'm hearing in the van. And I find myself on my way to worship God with people I love, saying godly stuff like, don't make me pull this van over. And then I want you to know something. On a number of occasions, I have pulled the van over. And I spanked my kids on the rear end. I disciplined them. And I taught them, we got to get to church, people. And my kids are back there. Dad, why did you spank me? I go, because it's driving me crazy. I mean, we're having this whole conversation, right, on the way there. And they said, Dad, why did you do that? And I said, we got to get to church where we can go and learn about the love of Jesus. <laughs> we pull into the parking lot, and we wipe the tears. And they're usually at the door. Today, I'm glad your pastor's with us because he's, his, he and his family are dear friends of ours. But a lot of times, I'm at a church where the pastor's on vacation or they don't have a pastor, so there's always a deacon or somebody, an elder. And they're praying that I show up because they'll have to preach. As soon as they see the van, they're like so glad. And I walk up to them. Remember now, we're frazzled as anybody can be. We're frazzled. And they go, how you doing today, Brother Bill? And I go, praise the Lord. (laughs) And here are my smiling kids. (laughs) Right? You know why? Because that's our culture. Listen, I like to be happy. I'm a pretty joyful person. But I want to give you permission to go, whoa. Isaiah went, whoa. Jesus isn't always happy, happy, happy. Sorry, Duck Dynasty. (laughs) Jesus sometimes is, woe is me. You see this in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I want to encourage you to be honest. What, What do you need to be honest about? Friends, The number one Christian sin, you talk about an oxymoron, I just said there, Christian sin. The number one Christian sin, I don't care what denomination you're part of or whatever, is gossip. The way way we talk about each other and other churches and other people, we love, oh my goodness, the way we share prayer requests is enough to nauseate somebody. Because it's real, we we don't pray and we just talk about people. Friends, that means you're probably pretty religious because I think you can act like that if you're religious. But I want to tell you something. You encounter the God of this book, he's coming after your mouth. And it'll come early. And you won't be, you won't be able to take secret pleasure in the bad news about other people and other churches. It will grieve you 
Because you won't see just your church. You will see the kingdom of God all over. And it will grieve you. And there are people that are so into gossip, they don't even know they're doing it because we've taught them for so long. But the fact that you and I can go out to lunch after church and spend 25% of that conversation ripping on people shows me that we are just religious. But we have not encountered the God of the Bible because you will talk differently. When's the last time you went, whoa? When's the last time you said, wow, this is a, God just showed me how much stinking sin I have in my life, and here's the big one. It's like an infested, ingrown toenail, and I got to deal with it. And God's saying, you can't come any further with me until you and I work through this. Well, let's start by confessing it as sin. You know what's beautiful about this story? Humor me. Somebody's going to ask you, what would you learn in church today? I want you to go, wow. Say it with me. Wow. Whoa. But here's the great part. Because Isaiah actually confesses his sin. You know what it means to confess? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess means to agree with. Agree with who? Agree with God. He's the one that determines what sin is. Isaiah says, woe is me, and then he names it. My mouth gets me in trouble. And I live among people who have the exact same problem, he says. But because, watch this now, this is so beautiful. This is really beautiful. This is what I love about the gospel. Because he has the uh, authenticity to confess, you know what happens? God forgives him. Watch. He says, woe to me, I'm ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. Then, watch this, then one of the seraphs, one of the angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. So the, the metaphor is this altar. It's this, and the book of Revelation say that it, the, the, the smoke that comes off the coals, the book of Revelation says, are the prayers of the saints. It's almost like God loves to do this. Oh, I love those prayers. I love those prayers. So there's, he flies over, grabs this coal, and he flies over to Isaiah, and he, sa- and he touched, he says, Isaiah says, with this hot coal, he touched my mouth, and he said this. And if you've got your pen, I want you to underline this. See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. I want you to underline this. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Friends, I've got great news how many sinners do I have here today? Raise your hand. Excellent. And if you're not raising your hand, let's all point at that person because you just lied <laughs> and you are a sinner by definition, right? I got great news for people like us who are journeying with God and we're going, wow, and we're going, whoa, that's normal. I got even greater news. If you will confess your sin, not only will God forgive you, I love that, don't you? Better news. He takes your guilt away. That's what it says. Underline it. Look at it. Believe it. Have you ever done this, Lord? I feel so bad about what I did or didn't do or the sin in my life. And then five minutes later, Lord, I still feel bad about that. Five minutes later, I still feel bad about that. Friends, if you were serious about confessing your sin and repenting from your sin, God didn't know what you were talking about after that first time. He's already moved on.
And so should you. Well, I just feel, oh, I don't care how you feel. Walk by faith. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I call that, what? So let's do it. Ready? Do this. Go, what? Not only will God forgive me, but He'll take my guilt away. What? See how I made the cross? Because that's where it all comes from, right? Do it with me now. Everybody participate. I will call you out. God not only forgives us, but he takes away our guilt. What? That is so great. That's unbelievable. So let's do them all together. Wow. Whoa. What? Again. Wow. Wow. You guys are funny. (laughs) Friends, in a room like this, I got to tell you something. There's a bunch of people here carrying guilt from their teenage years. Stop it. God never meant for you to carry that. I understand, trust me when I tell you this, that sin has consequences. But I am no longer under the guilt. And that's because God shows me when I confess my sin, not only am I forgiven, but the guilt is taken away. I love Jesus, don't you? I love what he did for me on the cross. I love how he shed his blood. The blood of God is sufficient to care for your sins. Stop carrying your guilt. God never made you to carry that. Now, some of you need to learn how to get convicted. I'll tell you that. You can, some of you are just so free-hearted about your sin, it doesn't even, you can sin, it doesn't even bother you. You scare me. You're religious, but you're not saved, I wonder. That's what I think. I think, how can the Holy Spirit be in you and not convict you of sin? That's just part of the journey with Jesus, right? You should ask yourself some questions serious, deep questions and reflect. How come I can sin and it never bothers me? There's a lot of answers to that. You better wrestle those down. But the other part of you I want to say to you, oh, please stop carrying the guilt. Jesus takes it away on the cross. Last one. Look what he says. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send Pastor Dave. Is that what yours says? Here am I, send Pastor Eric. No, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, God, you're so awesome. I'm not. But if you can forgive me, I'm in. Here am I. Send me. So it looks like this. Ready? Wow. Do this with me. Wee. Say it loud. Wee. Let's put them all together. Send me. God, I'm in. If you can take my broken life and make some good out of it, I am in. Friends, when's the last time you went, wow? When's the last time you went, whoa? When's the last time you sensed the Spirit of God saying to you, I forgive you and take your guilt away? And when's the last time you said, I'm so sick of just going to church 
and flattening my rear end on a chair and calling that Christianity. That's not Christianity. That's American weirdness is what it is. Because once you find Jesus, once you have this encounter with God, there's only one. You are so thankful that you go, the rest of my life, I don't care if I'm a garbage man. I'm going to do it as unto the Lord. I don't care if I work in a cornfield. I'm going to farm for the glory of God. I'm going to be an engaged follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm on a wee journey. Some of us have no idea that God wants more than just to sit, on, sit our fannies on a chair somewhere in a church for an hour. He wants everything you do tomorrow. I love this passage. I've been working on memorizing. I have it here. I'm going to try to do it. This week I was reading Psalm 116 as a part of my read through the Bible this year. And uh, the psalmist says in 169, he says, And so I will walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I'm glad we came to church. Every time I go to church, I sense God doing something sometime in the service. But I need you to know something. When I leave and go home here today, I will enjoy God's presence in my car. And I will enjoy God's presence in my marriage. And I will enjoy God's presence in my family. And I'll enjoy God's presence through every nook. There's only one thing I can't enjoy God's presence in, and that's sin. But I know how to deal with that. I confess it, repent, and move on, right? and receive forgiveness. Friends, how can you tell if you're encountering God? Well, I honestly believe you'll go, do this with me now, ready? You'll go, wow, say it with me, wow. You'll also go, whoa. You'll also go, what? But you'll also say, wee, exactly. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to say a couple things to you while you're just quiet there, and then I'm going to ask you to pray to God for yourself, and then I'll close in prayer, and then there'll be a couple of announcements. Which of those, wow, woe, wah, or we, is the one that spoke to your heart today. The Holy Spirit was going, that's for you. That's for you. Which one? Which one of those did God say, this is for you? I don't want to assume anything, so I want to say this to you. The way that your whole spiritual journey begins is when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He loves you. He died on the cross for you. Your sin separates him, uh, you from him. And, uh, and he, he, Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, rose again the third day so that you and I could have a relationship with God through Jesus. I'm not asking today if you lift a prayer. I'm asking today, have you put your faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross for you? And has it made any difference in your life? If you need to receive Jesus, this church is full of people who would love to help you do that. And I don't, if you're wondering, well, I hope I have, well, can I just tell you to talk to somebody you know from this church, including the staff, who can help you on that journey? 
For those of you who are saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I know the Holy Spirit lives in me, I know. And I just want to say to you, what's your next step? What's your next step? Have you forgotten who God is? That he's wild? And your problems are big? Well, you better get back to who God is. Are you discouraged because you see sin in your life? Don't be. That's a very good encouragement. That means you're headed the right way. Are you one who never sees sin in his life or her life? Wow. You better rethink that. Do you know the joy of not only sin forgiven, but guilt taken away? And lastly, have you ever experienced the great ride of saying to God, here am I. Send me. I'm in, God, to teach VBS this year. I am in to go on that mission. I am in to work with students. I am in to serve on uh, the worship team, whatever. To go home and start loving my neighbors, whatever it is. The joy of we. I'm going to just be quiet for about 30 seconds. And I want you to say, Lord, what is it you want me to leave with today? Just ask him that right now. What is it you want me to leave with today? Lord, you are awesome. <laughs> wow. We are not. Whoa. And yet you're still awesome. If we will be forthright about our sin, Lord, it unleashes your forgiveness and guilt taken away. Thank you for the good news about who you are and who Jesus is. That not only can we be forgiven people, but we don't have to live under this guilt of sin. And Lord, I want to pray that you would move all of us to the joy of we taking a journey with you. God, we commit this group of people to you for their wow, woe, wah, we journey. In Jesus' name, amen.